Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey everyone, how are you doing? This is Chloe Butheridge here the author of The Anxiety Solution. I'm a hypnotherapist and I am the host of this podcast, The Calm You Podcast. Welcome. How are you today? I hope you're doing well. So I have got probably one of my favourite guests that I have interviewed, meaning that she was one of the people that I enjoyed speaking to the most. I've enjoyed speaking to everyone, but I particularly enjoyed speaking to Jane Hardy. We actually have some weird things in common that we found out when we were talking on the phone. And she is the author of The Self-Care Project, a book that I really enjoyed. It's all about how to let go of frazzle and make time for you. Doesn't that sound good? She's also the founder of blurtitout.org, which is a social enterprise all about helping people with depression. And Jane has suffered from depression herself. She says that she lost most of her 20s to depression and really struggled with taking care of herself during those times. And she shares a lot of the um, details about her own experiences. And we talk about ways to manage depression, how to support a friend who you might think is depressed or who is depressed, and loads of tips on self-care, even if you are super busy, which most people seem to be in this day and age. I'd love it if you could share this podcast with anyone that you think might need it. I think it's a really important one. So why not just send this podcast on to a friend, let them know about it and help us spread the word. So I'm just going to get into the interview with Jane now. Thanks a lot. So welcome, Jane. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm doing really well. Thank you. No, I'm doing okay. I've got, um, I'm struggling a little bit with depression at the moment and anxiety, um, but I'm working on it. So I'm doing okay. Yeah, yeah. And I think... I think it's important to, to acknowledge that we don't always have to say, oh, I'm fine or everything's great or, oh, I'm just busy and actually acknowledge if we're not feeling that great to sort of say that. So, yeah, thanks for, for saying that. I think that's why I stumbled. It's so natural to say I'm fine yeah. when you're not. And, and that's why I stumbled just then, because I'm not fine. But then it's, you know, it just feels more kind to the person you're speaking to or, you know, you just have that. I just have that sometimes. Um, I want to hide when I'm not well. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to sort of say I'm fine and not face up to the fact that I am not fine. Um, so no, that's why I stumbled then. So I'm like, actually, I'm saying I'm fine and I'm really well, but I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel, you know, I just caught myself up really and just said, you know, be honest. Um, especially to you because <laughs> you understand. Absolutely, absolutely. Can you Can you tell us about your journey to writing your book and 
um, how you got to do what you're doing now for people that don't necessarily know about your story? So it's been a really, really weird journey. And I didn't really... It, I didn't really plan a lot of it. Lots of it just happened, you know, synchronicity. Um, so in 2010, I had the idea for Blurt, and that was because I was writing a blog at the time, and it was a beauty blog to try and persuade myself to use beauty products and take care of myself. I was really low, um, and I just, you know, a tooth had fallen out. I was, I was a mess, and I've always been a bit of a people pleaser. So I was thinking, if I'm telling people I'm going to be using beauty products and looking after myself, then I will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just a way of using my personality with for me and against me in the same way and so I started a blog um, and it just got a bit boring writing about beauty products all the time it worked I started taking better care of myself but it just got a bit boring and um, so I started writing about my experience of depression tentatively um, and actually those were the posts that people were most interested in and I realized that actually people are willing to talk about what they're going through and that actually lots of us are more comfortable doing so online than perhaps face to face so I wanted to create something surrounding that and then that's where the idea for blurt was born and it's called blurt because my husband always used to say to me just blurt it out we'll work it out if you can just blurt it out whatever it is in your head is not making sense we'll make sense of it but we need to get it we need to get it out so we know what we're dealing with um so that's why it's called blurt it's called the website's blurt it out um it started off as just somewhere that i wanted to write blogs about the things we weren't talking about and also the nuances of depression rather than it just being about depression the symptoms and you know the bits that are everywhere about depression I want you to sort of like get into the nitty-gritty of it and some of the common symptoms and things like you know people having anxiety about surrounding answering the telephone I remember doing um, a social media post about that years ago on Facebook and everyone was like oh gosh me too you know there's so many of us in the comments all being liberated that someone has started that conversation and they could sort of see their struggles in someone else that that's kind of what blurt was really it was a way of using my um hindsight and other people's foresight mm-hmm. and then encouraging everybody the community to do the same and it's kind of grown from there really um talk we started talking about self-care a few years ago before we really didn't really know it was a concept you didn't know the history of it at all um we just couldn't we didn't know we knew that we wanted to write about the fact you know taking care of yourself all of you um so we talked about it sort of started talking about that on our blog years ago on our website um and then obviously as a concept it's just grown really quickly mm-hmm. and so writing a book about it felt like the most natural thing to do because we've been talking about it for so long implementing it for so long and our audience were identifying with it um that we wrote yeah we wrote a book about it um which came out last year which is really exciting and terrifying in the same vein <laughs> and it's amazing it's an amazing book so so helpful um can you can you talk about um, what depression is? Because I'm sure lots of people listening know what depression is, or they they have depression, or they know someone with depression. But can you can you talk about what it is, and maybe a bit about your experience? Yeah, of course. Cool. So it's a mental illness. Um, I can talk about my experiences because you know we have different symptoms. People have different symptoms. So for me, depression is when I feel either everything at once or nothing at all. So I either feel my brain's full of everything, or I feel really detached from everybody around me and my feelings. And it's where I have a loss of motivation, loss, loss of energy, quite often loss of appetite, start having sleep problems. And, you know, I'm a, I love sleep, so that, that's usually one of my first telltale signs when sleep starts being disrupted. I start to know that something's gone a bit skewy for me because I love sleep and I'm quite good at it. <laughs> so when that starts going wrong, I know that something's going wrong for me. And um, it's a sense of 
losing interest in everything really um, and just wanting to hide away um, and you know I start getting really ill so at my very worst that sort of you know there's suicidal feelings you know ideas of you know suicidal um, ideation and um, all of those kind of things at my very worst um, which has happened twice actually in um, 2007 and I think it's 2011 I've had you know really really low points with it and you know at times I've lost sort of nearly everything I've lo- you know I've lost friendships I've lost jobs I've you know lost quite a lot because of depression and you know and I think the worst thing is that you feel like you, you lose yourself so um so yeah thanks for sharing sharing that experience um you mentioned in your book that you used to suck at self-care can you can you talk about that and talk a bit about what self-care is and why you sucked it and why lots of us tend to suck at it at times so I think my baseline is that I suck at self-care I think that just that's my baseline and I have to work really hard to remain mindful of self-care and and also as I've got it's become more habitual so I'm better at it now but I think my baseline when there's a lot of things going on there's deadlines there's lots of demands on my time my baseline is that I suck at self-care so I have to plan it in I have to remind myself that I have got like a daily sheet that I fill in for like my work but it's got all my self-care on there and things like that so that that's part of my working day that I ticked off that I you know meditated or I've done you know something else um yeah, I suck at self-care. I, I do. It's a working pro. I'm always working at trying to be better at it. Um, I think lots of people do because we're not taught to take care of ourselves. We're not really taught to talk about our emotions at school. We're not taught any of that. We're not taught, you know, we're taught, we're taught a lot of other things like how to take care of ourselves physically and what not to do to break your leg. But we're not taught, taught what to do to not break sort of your brain or oh, not break but you know not to keep it health nice and healthy and um, so because we're not taught it and also sometimes it, we don't the people around us don't do it so our leaders like our parents or people around us our teachers whoever we follow we look at and we learn from watching they don't do it we never we get to the point as adults where we kind of need it might not recognise that's what we need, but need it. And then that's where we have to sort of like learn all of these new things. And I think that's why it's so tough because we've gone we've gone all of our lives not having to really not being taught it or have having to necessarily think about it because sometimes our parents will do a lot of that thinking about it for us. You know, they might cook us nutritious meals and then once it gets to us thinking about that, you know, we might not be so mindful of what we're eating. Mm-hmm. Um I think we're just not taught it. We're not taught anything to do with our emotions really. I think it's changing. I think it's, it's being brought into schools now, but there's so many people that have no concept of self-care and don't want to feel selfish. Mm-hmm. They think self-care is selfish when I believe it to be the complete opposite. I'm much less of like the burden, which is a horrible word to use, on anyone around me when I've been really good at self-care because I'm not impacting their lives quite so much because I'm taking care of myself in such a good way. It's when I fall off the self-care wagon, you know, I become, you know, I drop the ball of self-care that I become, I need more help from other people. So it's more selfish for me when I don't prioritise it than when I do. And I think we don't want to be selfish, do we? We're taught to look after other people and to, to do things for other people and to be givers and not takers. And I think self-care isn't taking anything from anyone, it's giving to yourself. And I think that's quite an important distinction to make. That's such an important thing for, for everyone, for all of us to remember, to come back to the idea that it really isn't selfish, that it is important to look after yourself and then you're not going to be a burden to others, you're going to be able to be there for other people much more easily. 
Um, what yeah. do you define as self-care then? Because is it different for everyone? Is self-care, you know, having a bubble bath? What, what would you define as self-care? So I think on some level, self-care is the same for most of us. So the basic self-care is very much the same for all of us. Um, you know, having that quiet time, everybody needs quiet time to process the day and process the things that are going on for us. Or, you know, time to work through whatever's happened. That's when we go to bed and we get wide and tired when we haven't given ourselves that chance throughout the day. We all need good quality sleep if we can get it. Um, you know, we all need good boundaries. We all need, you know, need to be mindful of things that we might eat and drink and some of our habits and relationships with other people that's self-care all of us that's the common thing for everybody we could all you know and also to audit that all the time because as we change those things that might change a little bit um i think then past that self-care can mean different things to different people because we're all different so i'm an introvert and an infj like you yay <laughs> infj crew <laughs> I need a lot of quiet time I really really do I you know I can get drained but if I'm sociable um I can I can enjoy it and love it and really love spending that time with those people but I have to the pushback from that is that then I need some quiet time you know solitude and um, that's where I, but an extrovert will be energized and will also refuel in a different way and I think so the, the we've all got those basics but then who we are changes what's past that and in terms of what self-care is I think it's the um, emotional physical um, you know our mental health it's taking care of that taking care of yourself as a whole all of you and it's also taking care of where you are now but also where you want to be so it's thinking about your actions that you take now that they will help you to be where you want to be so for example um i've reduced my work hours a little bit in the last couple of weeks because i've been feeling really poorly with depression and that's because i want i don't want next week or the week after for me to sort of like start hitting rock bottom and not being able to do anything so i'm taking those little steps to reduce it so that i can still carry on um, working mm. um, so I think it, and that's really difficult isn't it to sort of like think about where you are now and where you want to be and make make a decision based on balancing those I think that's that's quite tough which is why self-care is so tough yeah yeah and I suppose from what you're saying it sounds like you need to really listen to yourself and what you need in the moment and also getting to know yourself and knowing yeah. if you're getting to that point of you know burning out or going into a low period or an anxious period and really taking some action on that to start to take care of yourself in that time yeah I think absolutely I think we all have those early warning signals that we ignore for me it's always like a swollen gland like sore throat and um I used to just work through that hoping that the sore throat would go away and actually no that sore throat was telling me I was probably a bit run down and I needed to stop and you know take stock and I never used to and then I used to just keep going keep going it'd get worse um and then I'd end up really like mentally unwell because I hadn't heeded any of those early signs saying, please stop, please lay down. I'd ignored them, pushed them to one side and just carried on. Um, and then, like I said, I, like I said in the book, if we do keep carrying on, we'll be forced to stop somehow. And that's mm. the scary thing because then it's out of our control. Up until that point, we're still in control of whether we stop or don't stop. But if we're forced to stop, which, are, you know, mental health wise, happened to me a few times then we're suddenly we're not in control of that and I think we all want to feel as though we're in control of our lives absolutely and I think our bodies are so amazing at communicating to us when we need to slow down or take a step back and for me it was always stomach issues so I'd get IBS symptoms or something if I was um 
working too much or putting too much pressure on myself. So I really, for everyone listening, really want to invite you just to check in with your body. And if your body's telling you um, something about your your mental well-being through sort of various symptoms and things. Um, I just want to go back to what we were talking about, about INFJ, um, because I we were speaking about this before we started recording and both Jane and I are the same would you call it rating on a Myers-Briggs? Um, can you explain I, it? I, I'm not entirely sure. No, it I just, it's, it's a Myers-Briggs like, um, test, isn't it, that yeah. you do? And you answer the questions about, there's, lot, there's lots of different questions related to your behaviour and thoughts and character. Um, yeah. And then it just gives you a result, doesn't it, based on how you've answered it. And yeah, so I'm an I, INFJ, but I can't ever remember what it stands for. I know that the I is introvert, isn't it? Mm. And I judgments j i can't remember what it stands for that like it's an acronym but um it's so liberating to find out because it's a rare personality type it kind of made so much sense in why i've never really felt like i fit in or that i'm a bit odd of worrying about it because there's a reason and it's because of my personality type is a bit is a rarer one so yeah. it's natural that i sometimes feel that conflict with my friends or my family about how i am you know what serves me but yeah no it's always really I love it's, it's really geeky but I love meeting other people who are the same personality type yeah. because um I don't know it just makes lots of things make sense and makes you feel like you, there's other people that understand some of the definitely <laughs> the challenges that you face yeah definitely I think the thing about being an introvert is that often in society I think there's a belief that it's better to be an extrovert that is the kind of favoured personality type I don't know if you if you agree with this but actually there's a lot of you know in, us introverts have special powers as well and we need to sort of value our gifts as introverts and um there's a really big, good book called quiet I can't remember yeah, Susan yeah. Kane, and it's all about how you know being an introvert is powerful and all the positive things and how to harness you know your abilities as an introvert so if you're listening and you, you believe yourself to be an introvert then know that it's okay you don't need to try and force yourself to be an extrovert extroverts aren't better than introverts um just wanted to to say that as well um and jane you also mentioned before we started recording that you're the eldest child as well i am i have a younger sister yeah and do you think that because i'm the eldest as well and do you think because i've got two younger sisters do you think that makes a difference in terms of how we develop or mental health or pressure kind of growing up do you think it plays a role at all I think it absolutely does I think from a very young age is three years difference you're kind of encouraged not in a bad way you might you know but just like look, keep an eye on your sister look after your sister when my sister was old enough to join secondary school she would walk to school with me and my friends and um, you know I, the, I, I, I felt like there was I felt like there was somebody else to care for and not in a bad way just I was the older sister and she would come to me for advice and things and you know um yeah I think it just makes a difference whether you're the you know it's within the family as well isn't it you know the roles that you play and I think if you're an older sibling naturally you're going to have someone that looks to you as much as you've looked to your parents um you know uh, I mean I don't know I've always felt like a sense of responsibility that probably nobody else is even aware that I felt 
and nobody else would have ever put on me necessarily but I just always was aware that I wanted to take care of her look after her do whatever I could to make her life easier for herself for her and to you know make sure that she was okay because she was my little sister and she's still my little sister now she's you know 30 something yeah <laughs> I still think of her as my little sister and she's like don't call me that and I'm like but to me you'll always be my little sister and I'm the bigger sister I'm the older sister um but yeah do you feel do you did you find the same I definitely grew up with I think a sense of responsibility as you said and almost like I was the one that was responsible for for my parents as well in a way or kind of making sure that oh I need to make sure my parents are okay because I'm the oldest it's my job to kind of be the responsible one um and even though my I've got two younger sisters and they're both taller than me one is six foot one and one is six foot I'm pretty tall I'm 5'11 but I, I still think of them as my little sisters even though I'm the shortest person <laughs> um so and of course you know I don't want to make you know the middle child or the youngest child feel excluded obviously every you know the middle ch- children sometimes get neglected don't they and the youngest child gets babies so it's not to say there aren't issues with every, you know, wherever you come in the family. Do you think the sense that I, I like being INFJ, like means you, I'm, I can be quite intuitive. So I know that I, I know that someone's not okay before I can say to someone, are you okay? They're like, how did you know? What, what did, and mm. I, I can just sense it. And I think that sometimes growing up that I've sort of done that with a lot of people. So I feel I always, and then if I can sense someone's not okay, I've taken, I've taken that responsibility on where it's not my responsibility. Like it's not up to me to make anybody else happy. And, you know, I'm trying to come to terms with that as a mum and a wife and everything else. Yeah. Um, but I, if I can do something to help somebody to ease how they're feeling or to, to do, then I want to. Mm. And I think that's hard because then, if you know, there's sometimes can be quite a lot of people that you want to help and actually it's hard because then if you lose yourself in that process which is I find quite easy to do um but I think when you said about like responsibility for parents probably because you can sense when they're not if they're not quite right and want to do something to help yeah definitely I think I can relate to that I think it do you think it comes down to being sensitive because I was always described as a sensitive child um, I was, and I would cry quite easily. Um, I still cry quite easily. Um, you know, if if someone like even with banter, if it went a bit too, I felt like it was a bit close to the quick. I'd get quite upset. You know, I wouldn't mm. be able to take it on the chin as well as some of my friends and family would. Um, yeah, I've definitely sensed. Yeah, sensitive. I de- would definitely be described as sensitive. Yeah, I think it's. I think the topic of being sensitive is really interesting, and I might have to do another podcast on it. I think I could probably talk about that all day, basically. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, so what would you say to someone that, that feels they're too busy to take care of themselves boundaries okay yeah I think that it's about boundaries um I think if you're too busy is a choice even though when you say that to people they go oh like they don't they, people do not hate people do not like being told that busy is a choice because they don't. It means that we've got to take responsibility for that then. And actually, a lot of the time we feel put on. But I think when you start thinking about boundaries and learning about boundaries, what's so interesting is that you do have more choice than you think that you that you have in life. So you have, you know, you, we can say no instead of saying yes and meaning no. We can we can carve out time here and there for things, you know, for things. Um, we there is I don't know there's quite a lot of hours in the day we can choose to clean every day or we can choose to have a bit of time to ourselves every day you know like I think that we do have more choice than we think that we do 
And when we feel too busy, it's generally because we've said yes to an awful lot of things. But in saying yes to all of those things, we've been saying no to ourselves. Um, and it's little things like, um, and also we don't always realise where we're spending our time. So I, I, I installed an app on my phone, which um, told me where I was spending my time on my phone. And I was so shocked to realise that I was spending two hours on social media. Like I would never, if you asked me to estimate it, I probably would have said between 30 and 40 minutes. But the reality was that it was two hours and I wouldn't choose to spend two hours on social media, but I was was choosing so you know just cut that back and i've got half an hour for myself an hour for myself or more time to do other things that probably benefit me and my family you know going forward and um, so yeah i think it's and also i think you're allowed to change your mind so if you said yes to something and then it doesn't feel right so listening to yourself again you've got your gut instincts like if you say when someone asks you a question that's a yes or no answer, your gut will probably tell you the answer and it might be different from what comes out of your mouth. So how many times has someone asked us to do something, our stomach's kind of dropped, but we've said yes, mm. <laughs> like, you know, and um, because we feel like we ought to say yes and it's those shoulds and coulds. Um, so I think it's just getting clear on the why as well, why we're doing something. Is it to keep somebody else happy? But then would the other person want you to keep them happy if it meant you were um, compromising your happiness? if they're your friends and loved ones and they wouldn't want you to um so yeah for me it's boundaries and getting clear on the why i'm doing something is it really what is the why and um, once i get clear on the why that sometimes helps me to assert a boundary better um, than i might have done before and also look at where you might be spending your time having clear boundaries between work and home now that we can have our emails on our phone it's so easy to sort of like check up all the time on work outside of your designated work hours and that's a drain mentally on you that you're sort of you know you say oh I'm just gonna check my emails but if there's something there that you feel like you deem to be important and urgent then you're probably going to get distracted and do that mm. in time that you know it's about I think it's all about boundaries for me for me it's very much about boundaries and trying to assert them and figure out what they are and because they change as I change I think it's quite it's a quite a complex thing yeah absolutely so important and that idea that busy is a choice I think as you said it's quite hard for people to hear because I think often if you are really busy you feel quite out of control of your life and if you feel out of control you don't feel as if you can change anything and you might feel stuck or in a in a vicious cycle but actually kind of stepping back and realizing that you do have control over how you spend your time and starting to to make some changes and set those boundaries sounds like such a good idea my gosh also, don't you think that when you're overwhelmed, sometimes that can, that's, can be quite, you can be frozen by overwhelm. Um, and so it's really hard then to even have the mental headspace to even think about boundaries or think about what you might be able to stop. You know, overwhelm can be quite freezing. You can get frozen by that. And I think then that, that then you can't, then any decisions you make don't always come from a good place because you're, you know, you're a bit, you can be quite anxious when you're overwhelmed. And I, I definitely get to the point where I can't think straight up whatsoever. Mm. So I just take myself away and try and like force some time out, which feels counterproductive and counterintuitive, but it always helps me then to free up some headspace to try and deal with whatever it is on my plate. And quite often I set my own deadlines. Um, and so if there's a lot on my plate and it feels like I can't manage it, then all I have to do is just move it and change that you know change it or renegotiate the time or postpone something it's not it's never catastrophic it, it it's you know and it feels so we've all done that thing where we've been overwhelmed we've made a few changes tweaked it and then we feel so free and 
you know you can feel yourself decompress can't you and I think it's the that's the feeling you're we're after isn't it that (sighs) relaxed state (laughs) yeah absolutely that's a good feeling for sure can you um can you give any tips for people who might be struggling with depression at the moment or just feeling that their mental health is not in a good place what what could people be doing um to help themselves today for example so i think it's always a good idea to um go to the doctor always if you suspect that you have depression go to the doctor because um when i first had depression um i went to the doctor and he um he tested me for diabetes and for my thyroid because some of those symptoms are similar to depression but they're actually physical illnesses um so i think it's always really important just to go and get the right diagnosis and so that you know what you're dealing with um and then i think it's about taking it back to basics with self-care sort of having a look at sleep like i think sleep's always a good place to start because i think sleep is definitely one of the things that is affected and we need when we sleep so much magic happens you know we repair our brain fix you know lots of things happen that are magic and and i think that medication can affect our sleep there's lots of aspects of life you know stress all of those things so i always whenever i so at the moment that's one of the things i always whenever i find myself here where i'm feeling not well and a bit i I know i'm on a tightrope and i can go either way i feel like i can go go towards health or you know get a little bit worse and i always look at my sleep my boundaries around protecting my sleep resting and you know it helps me then to feel more prepared to make other changes that i might need to make but also asking for help um we don't we don't like to ask for help we don't want to put other people out we don't want to be a burden we don't want to look like we're not coping but if we put the shoe on the other foot we would hate to think of someone that we loved and care about was struggling and not not asking us for help because we would do it we would do anything to help them mm. so i think it's a, it's important to remember that people like to help <laughs> it's not we're not usually a burden when we when we ask someone for help they like to be helpful and useful and to feel like they're making a difference um so i think overcoming that fear oh sorry um, overcoming that fear of asking for help is really important because when you know it's so important to feel supported and it's important to give other people the opportunity to support us because if we're unwell they can sense that something's wrong and they're not always sure the best way to help us and that can lead to lots of communication problems, you know, and actually can damage those precious relationships, um, which I know too well. You know, I lost lots of friends because I wouldn't ask for help, wouldn't be open and honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and they sensed that I was sort of like withdrawing from them, but didn't really know how to sort to bridge that gap. And I wouldn't let them. So <laughs> they, they, they wouldn't manage to do anything really to do that. Um, I think learn about the illness as well. So if depression, there's a lot of resources out there. Learn as much as you can about it because it's a complex illness. So it's not it's not something as simple as having a sore throat and then that fixing, you know, with medication or, or just getting better at the time. Sometimes depression depression is complex. And so the more you know about it, the more you kind of understand yourself where you are at that point. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much for that. And and you know even if you're somebody that isn't suffering from depression but you want to you know support someone else I think reading up about it is the first step to really understand it and then you can you know use what you've learned to support someone else and I mean is there anything that you'd say about supporting other people because I know with friends that I've had you know you we might we you know as we were discussing at the beginning of this interview you know you ask someone how they are they just say oh yeah I'm fine 
but maybe you know that that conversation doesn't go any further but what is the kind of way to um support someone with depression do you think if at first maybe they're saying they're fine but you know really that they're not so i think that learning about the illness is key so that you are you know i just think it's it's really hard it's um if you've never had depression never experienced it then it's actually it's really difficult to understand what anyone might be going through so i think learning about it um we've actually got an uh we've put together like an ebook on a, a blurt's guide to supporting someone who has depression on our website it's quite a, it's quite a big book quite chunky um but it's it talks about what depression what you don't see um which you know because so much of it you don't see behind that mask of i'm fine yeah. um and i think that don't be afraid to ask questions. Obviously, you don't want to barrage some lots of questions, but don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't let it be the elephant in the room if you suspect somebody's like not okay. And I think sometimes the practical things that you can do. So um, I, I remember somebody made me a meal for my freezer, <laughs> and it was so like brilliant because I was living on toast. Like I couldn't be bothered to think about what to eat. Couldn't be bothered to do the food shop because there's so much choice and it's overwhelming. I was just having toast. And, you know, that's not particularly nutritious in, on its own without anything else. Um, so I somebody made me some frozen meals for the freezer and I was able to just take them out and put them in the oven. And it was so I didn't have the choice was taken away from me. All of the thought process, I just put it in the oven, you know, however many minutes later and it's cooked. And um, somebody else said that the best thing that a friend ever did for them was offer to change their bedding, which I think is quite a tough one because the idea of someone going up into your bedroom and seeing some dirty bedding if you've not changed it is a bit Make, can make you feel a bit awkward but if it's a close friend and they're trusted I think it makes you feel just so much different getting into a clean bed mm. um you know I think and also somebody um my husband once I, my hair had got quite matted and um well, I hadn't been brushing it or washing it and he brushed the knots out for me it took him ages and that was just such a lovely thing for him to do it made us feel quite closer but also then it solved one of my problems that I didn't have matted hair anymore you know he he'd sold one of my things mm. you know and it made me feel better that I had and it wasn't matted um so i think again it will be individual to lots of people but if you can learn about the illness i think then it's it, it, you're going to be more sensitive to it and more understanding to the needs of your your you know your loved one and also if someone's in crisis then you need to get them help and you you, you need to get them help if you're worried about someone's safety then you can take action you can you know call samaritans or if you're a parent you can call young minds you know you can call this there are places where you can call for support and help and advice but also if someone's in crisis and you think that someone you know is in danger then you know 999 always mm, mm, mm. absolutely yeah really important to to be aware that that is um yeah a possibility um thank you so much for talking to me it's been really lovely and interesting what are you working on at the moment so our main focus at the moment is um we were awarded some funding from Aviva Fund, thanks to our lovely community who like, voted for us um, to be able wow. to get the funding, um, to, um, on a schools pro project to um, go into, to work with schools. So we we um, did, we went into a school and we speaking to them about mental health provision there and what they would like. And the fee overwhelming feedback was that they would rather that, that their peers delivered the information than adults because they couldn't really um, identify with adults so for the, an example they gave was that a headmaster had been talking about bullying you know this, they couldn't really sort of identify with their headmaster as being someone who might have been bullied regardless of whether he had or not um, and so we it's going to be a peer project where we empower the young people to deliver 
the sort of the, the class really. Um, so we've we've worked on that and we're recruiting for that and we're going to kick that off in September. And I'm really really excited about that because I I passionately and strongly believe that um, we're not going to change anything unless we start these conversations younger than you know when things go wrong when we're older. Um, so I'm, that's kind of a dream come true. I had the idea for it like you know like you have lots of ideas in 2011 I first thought about it so it's been a long time coming so I'm really really excited about that and also we have lots of other plans for resources and um, with Blurt which I've taken a little while to come into fruition as all these things do but um yeah and I, I've just um and hopefully I'll be able to help talk more about book two soon because I've just written that I know. Um, yeah, there seems to be a lot going on at the moment. Um, but those are the most exciting things. <laughs> Great. That sounds like an incredible project in schools. Yeah, I think that's really going to be so helpful for people. Um, yeah, delivering the information in a accessible a accessible way rather than yeah. sort of me going in and delivering sort of a workshop and they might not be able to identify with me. Mm-hmm. I think empowering people to deliver you know young people to deliver it's going to be really interesting I'm really interested to see what the outcomes will be yeah yeah amazing and where can people find out about you can you tell us what your social media handles are on your website so mine is jane with a y hardy um underscore on twitter and instagram and then blurts is different on twitter it's blurt alerts um, Instagram is the Blurt Foundation and Facebook is Blurt It Out. But our website's blurtitout.org and then you can, the, the, all the links are on there. Great. And I'll put the links in the show notes as well. Um, and where can people find your book? Ah, um, in, we've got them on the Blurt's website in the shop and on Amazon, Waterstones, I think most bookshops and libraries. Um, yeah, so I think. Almost, I think everywhere that sells books has them. I might be wrong, but I think think most places have them. Um, Good, good. Yeah. Trying to think, yeah, I think they do. And we've got them on Blurt Shop. And also on Blurt's website, we have um, some journal exercises in the book. So if you buy the Kindle book, you don't have obviously access to those paper form, but we have the free PDF worksheets, which people are using in schools and things. So I might send you the link for those actually, which you might be able to Yeah, yeah. Great. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. And um, yeah, I'll hopefully speak to you again. Thank you so much. Thanks then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.